Good morning, and welcome to the Church Plus Coffee with Friends podcast. Today is October 3rd, 2019. I can't believe it's October already. I just want to know, is it Church Plus Friends, or is it Church and Friends? It's Church Plus Coffee with Friends. That's what I meant. Or you could say church plus coffee equals friends. Okay, that's good. But it's not and. But we're not doing a math problem here. So if you were to search for it, I know I'm navel gazing If here. you search for church and coffee, if anyone out there is wondering, you're listening to this on the website and you're saying, well, this is great, but I would like this to have this on my phone. If you search church and coffee, it will be one of the first ones that come up. What if you search church plus coffee? If you search Church Plus Coffee, it will be one of the first ones to come up, but not the very first. If you search Church Plus Coffee with friends, it will be the very first one to pop up. That's so cool. So are we like the top rated? We're the top rated Church Plus Coffee with friends podcast in the universe. So pretty much the top rated church podcast. You could just shorten it and say the top rated church podcast in the universe. Yeah. If you wanted to be like a mega church pastor, you could do that. Sweet. Um, anyways, we're, we're really glad that you're here with us today. And can you believe Joseph, this is episode four of the new podcast. I can we, scarcely we made it, believe we made it. it through episode four. That's like a month. And I don't feel like we're running out of steam yet. We've got a lot of things that we would like to talk about with you, our friends. And I love this podcast. And one of the reasons I love it is because it's really hard to have coffee with a missionary. Wait, what do you mean? It's hard to have coffee with a missionary? Like logistically, it's almost oh, impossible yes. to have coffee with a missionary. Yeah, I would so like this to is great because it's a chance and where... have a cup with David Sarar or with Philip Tolman or, I mean, right. 75 other missionaries. And I'm sure know. there's people listening in Montana and Texas and they're like, man, I wish I could hang out with, with Bob or Joseph. I don't get to see them very much. I would love to have a cup of coffee with them. That's why we like this because... We can do that with you each week. That is so cool. Plus, they don't talk back. So we can say whatever we want. Right. Sure. Unless unless people like send in messages or something. Because that's a great way to talk right. back. So if you want to talk back, you should always send right. in a we message. Did, we did have a little bit of feedback from the last episode. Oh, really? Oh, is it like a question or something? Um, not really a question. Oh, but feedback is so fun. Um, we talked about the taco place that we ate at while we were at Bible college. El Sol de Jalisco. Yes, that's the name of it. I like that little uh, flair you put on it. Yeah, the tilde. The tilde? The tilde. Let's steer clear of this uh, <laughs> accent impersonation. All right, okay. We can't do it as good as our friends can. So I, I want to know what someone say. So actually, did you see what your sister said? She informed us that there is no longer a taco place by IBC. The taco place that we went to, the reason we're Christians today, that taco <laughs> place is no longer open for Are business. Are you serious? Apparently. Well, I, I mean, this is your sister. She's been there. You Autumn? guys talk like every day, right? Yeah. 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 So she just commented Maybe. on our podcast post on Facebook that, the last time they went there or that she heard that it was closed down. Maybe it was done for remodeling or something. Because I was there a year and a half ago, I think. It doesn't really seem like the type of place that would remodel. Well, that's true. 
That's true. But it could be. Or wash dishes. <laughs> that's that's what makes it good. That's the flavors just kind of stay Actually, my there. dad has always called it. He has one that he likes. It's a purple place, but he always calls it this greasy spoon taco place. Greasy the greasy spoon, spoon is taco. like the key word that he likes to use. Greasy spoon taco place. That's funny. It's actually that's actually a really good name for a restaurant. It's so funny as white people that we just say we call the taco place the purple place right. or the orange place or the green place or the Mexican food place because we're just not smart enough to be able to well, say that. Well, if those that's names. true that it's closed down then that is a travesty and we need to we need to write our congressman and do whatever we can to get that place open because that's one of my favorite places. Yeah, but there are like a million other good taco places in San Antonio. So I don't know if the world will really miss it or not. Uh, hey, this is good coffee. Yeah. That I made, but I don't know what the coffee roast is. Can you tell me about it? Okay. That's a that's a great question, Joseph. Let me give you some affirmation this morning. I love the 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 feedback. Wait, uh, wait, wait. So the only feedback was my sister saying that the taco place closed down? Um, of course, we had people saying, hey, we really enjoyed the episode and oh. we're listening, but no you know, one had any comments specifically I haven't about been on the moral law, Facebook which very much we discussed lately. last week, right. other than people, you know, I'm getting text messages and people saying, hey, we're really enjoying it, so keep it up. So, oh, wait, you know what? I got feedback from someone, your dad. Really? Yeah. He said, listening to the podcast made me want to get some tacos really yeah something wow. like that and that was a face it was a direct message so i actually saw it i haven't really been on facebook lately so i need to get back on there and, and see what everyone's up to so the coffee that we're drinking this morning is called autumn blend mm. do you want to know what the notes are yeah of course i want to know what the notes are if you had to guess what the notes were what would you say well, give me a second here I would guess not chocolate, but I have no idea. The notes thing has always confused me. I know. But, I just wanted to see what you but, were going to say but, to but see. When someone describes it to me, then I go, like, oh, yeah, I taste that. But, I mean, I'm the kid that had to see what color Skittle it was to know what flavor it was. So I'd put a Skittle in my mouth, have no idea what it was, not know what flavor it was, and then spit it out and see. Oh, it's strawberry. My favorite. Yeah. So me, I'm not exactly. Me too. I'm not, like, good at pro tasting it and knowing exactly how to describe it but this is called this shows you that they probably didn't know what notes to call it either they called it full bodied and herbal herbal Are you getting any herbal in there well i can see that i can, I can see taste it. i can, can taste and see that i can see the full bodied part and the herbal, I think what they're trying to say, it's an autumn blend. So they're trying to say, like, it's got this nature aspect to it. I'm kind of on autumn Bringing out the flavors of the season. Because the cup that you gave me has an orange inside. So it's really, really an autumn cup of coffee. And I don't even feel like it's autumn yet. Because yesterday was like 85 degrees. Yeah. In October. Yeah, it's getting cooler. Also, this, yes? Nothing. This is a dark roast also. Okay. So, yes, it's perfect for fall, and it is getting cooler outside slowly, but it was the last couple days have been really hot. Did you know that this week was International Coffee Day? 
There were like several things this week, right? Like Daughter's Day, Son's Day, Coffee Day. Yeah, we didn't celebrate that, but we did celebrate Coffee Day. Okay. <laughs> someone someone said something like it was Daughter's Day and Son's Day, and then we needed to have a coffee day because the only way you can raise kids is if you have plenty of coffee. I thought that was cute. Yeah. Well, people... You didn't like that. I have a that lot of time on their hands. <laughs> okay, that's for sure. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Sorry to whoever posted that. So, I... Whenever there's a holiday like that, international whatever day, I always wonder if it actually is or if people are just making that up and posting it on Facebook and then it gets shared enough that everyone thinks that it is, but it's not actually. Like, is sibling day on the same day every year or is that just when someone feels like posting a picture of their sibling? Yeah, I think it's on the same day every year, but I think when it got started, then some of them got started that way where people just decided, hey, let's make this like a social media thing and let's make this... Sunday or daughter day or so maybe I'm a lid on the conspiracy side, but yeah, maybe I try not to be Well, I really like the coffee. Thanks for providing. Yeah, it's good. Well, you you made the coffee this morning So thank you. It's nice and bold and spicy perfect for the fall season. I would say it was herbal Yeah, it's got some herbal in there for sure. Whatever that means This week you celebrated International Coffee Day by going to one of the coolest Starbucks in the world. Yes. You just happened that to was be so cool. in Kyoto. Yes. And we tell had, us about that so Starbucks. We had some friends visiting us. So we did what we've not done before, which is go up to Kyoto. I think we've been to Kyoto and just drove through. Actually, I think that was with you guys. I think we might have stopped for a minute in Kyoto. Yeah. Because we had no idea what to do there. I've only been to Kyoto like twice. So just so you guys know, we're in Osaka, and Kyoto is kind of the next big city that's right there. But, like, culturally and heritage-wise, it's one of the most... Like, if you Google what to do in Japan, it'll say, go to Kyoto and go to this place right. and this place. And so, anyway, when our friends it's were visiting us... the headquarters for Nintendo. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, so we went up there with our friends, and we went to this place called Ninenzaka, which is just this old, like, not a... I mean, I guess you could call it a market. It's like on a cobblestone road, really long, lots of different shops, people, homemade things, and really interesting. And while we were there, I had forgotten, but we just happened to walk by this new old Starbucks that opened like two years ago. Right. And we had heard about it opening. I think one of our friends had posted about it that they wanted to visit it. And so me and Joseph have been saying for a couple of years, like, hey, let's take a day trip up to Kyoto and go check out this Starbucks. Because if right. you imagine, like, an old building where they might serve like noodles, it's like that's the it's like a hundred and fifty year old. It's like a hundred and fifty year old building. And wow, I'm sorry that I went without you. We just kind of stumbled into it. So but, from the yeah, I can't believe so you from went the outside, me. you can hardly even. I've been tell. asking you to go like for two years, and then you guys go without us. I know it's terrible. But when you look on the outside, it kind of still has an older finish on it. All of the buildings there in that area are are old, and they all kind of look the same. So I didn't even notice it at first. Just all very traditional, but really Which, cool. Some round windows and things like that. And traditional for Japan, they have like this wood paneling that they put on the outside. Oh, yeah. And it's old. really, I like it. I like how everything is sort of made out of that wood. Really design. heavy tile roofs as well, but... All of the old traditional style and even the kind of curtain things that you walk through instead of a door. And uh, 
we went inside and it was definitely the coolest coffee shop I've ever been in because they left this old house really traditional and they just made all kinds of nooks throughout the building. So tatami rooms where you can sit down and have your coffee. And there was like maybe three or four tatami rooms in there, several other nooks as well. So how does that work? Did you have to take your shoes off as soon as you went in? And for, could you remind us what tatami is for those who don't know what it is? Yeah, tatami is the uh, traditional Japanese, it's like a rice, rice floor mat. And they use that instead of carpet or wood. And you're not supposed to walk on that with shoes ever. So you still wear your shoes to go into the Starbucks and even to go upstairs. But then when you get upstairs, there's a couple of tatami rooms up there. You just take your shoes off before you go in. So it stays nice and clean. That's crazy. I can't imagine like going to Starbucks and taking my shoes off and walking <laughs> on tatami. Yeah, I guess. It sounds like kind of relaxing. That does sound foreign to our American minds. But for here, it's just natural and really cool. So this building was really kind of dark really low light but really comfortable vibe of course all the tatami rooms were taken and there were a lot of people in there uh, studying talking just drinking coffee working on their computers so since it's got this nice homey japanese vibe to it were they still playing music like cold playing stuff or did they have like a special you know japanese soundtrack i don't know that there was any music playing at all it might have just been totally quiet which would make sense because when we go to a coffee shop, we don't mind the noise. We kind of like that a little bit, loud music. But for some Japanese people, they really value going to a quiet place. This kind of place would never be allowed in America because of all the code and building code that we have there. Because the they use the traditional Japanese, I mean, the you know, the original Japanese steps, which are really steep steps to get up. And then also the doorways are still really low. So there was this Korean guy walking in front of me and he totally hit his forehead <laughs> full on on the doorway. Poor guy. Yeah, it was rough. But yeah, because you know, Koreans are so much taller than Japanese. <laughs> about an inch. Anyway, uh, what, can, what else can I tell you? There were so many different textures and you just have to go. Was it busy? Every nook of the room was different. And yeah, it was really busy. There were a lot of people there. This is the other thing that was cool about it. When you walk in, there's one counter where they're making drinks. If you walk to the back of the store, there was another complete counter where they were making espresso stuff. So it's actually two Starbucks counters in the one building. Did uh, So since it's, it's two-story or three-story? It's two-story. So since it's two-story, do they have a coffee bar upstairs with the tatami? No, they don't. So they just have an espresso bar and then a, a regular Starbucks coffee bar. It was like having two Starbucks on the first floor, but on either end of the building because it was kind of a long building. So you could come in at either end and get a coffee right away and then go find a spot. How much the outside, from what I've seen, the outside is pretty similar to what it's always been but did the is the inside pretty renovated like the walls and stuff seems like they use a lot of traditional japanese material like bamboo they still had the kind of the dirt crosshatch bamboo walls in there and lots of different uh like tatami floors of course but there's also like a tatami wall covering that people would use sometimes or bamboo wall coverings and it was all really what's the word just true to Japanese culture, I guess. You know what would be cool is if they had a traditional Japanese toilet in there. <laughs> Which I don't even know what that would be. Maybe it would just be a hole in the ground. Uh, or... Traditional, yeah, it's like an indoor outhouse. It's called a kumi todi. 
Kumitori. I don't think you want me to go on. I don't think you want me to go on. No, it's rough. Well, hey, go ahead. It's rough. When my parents were missionaries in Japan, one of the places that they met for church, they were just renting this old house, and that's all it had was a kumitori. And it's just, I mean, it's an outhouse in the house. Does that smell really bad? It smells terrible. And then once a month, or once every two months, my dad calls him the honey bucket man, would come and pump it out. And one time they had a speaker come to Japan to speak at a conference and he dropped his dentures into the kumitori. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's not a joke. It's terrible. You, would we would we know this person? Or you don't want to say his name over the airwaves? I don't think anyone would know him. And I can't remember his name, so I can't say It's it. funny. After he lo- lost his dentures, his speaking engagements kind of went down a little bit. <laughs> no, they were just slurred. No, actually, my dad asked a friend to get it out, and the friend got it out. And I don't know how they cleaned the dentures, but they did. So your dad like wasn't even going to do it, Actually, but he I told, just asked a friend to do it. I told Matt this story the other day. It's a true story. My dad called his friend, Kawasaki-sensei, and Kawasaki-sensei said, Okay, John, I'll do what I have to do. And then he called my dad later. And Kawasaki is like always a really serious kind of guy. He wasn't, he's not a jokester or anything like that. But he called my dad and he said, Johnson say, I got the teeth. And my dad said, oh, Kawasaki sensei, I'm so sorry you had to do that. Thank you for doing it. How was it? He said, well, John, they fell in there really deep. And so I actually had to take the toilet off, unscrew it and everything. And, and I was reaching down in there, but my arms are short. So I reached and reached. And John, when the toilet was off, the sides were slippery, and John, I fell in. <laughs> and my dad just said, Oh, Kawasaki sensei, no. And he said, Yeah, John, but I know that this man really needed his teeth. And so when I was in there, I just said, Shkataganai, which is like, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. So I just swam around till I found him. <laughs> this is like something from a cartoon. <laughs> I know it is, yeah. Anyway. So did the guy actually use his dentures after this yeah he did yeah but turns out kawasaki sensei didn't fall in or swim around or anything it was just a joke dirty joke i guess you could say um but he was just never a jokester and so my dad totally fell for it but (laughs) yeah no they like cleaned the dentures and he spoke the next night so other than the outhouse everything was kind of japanese style what oh the starbucks yeah oh yeah and we need to they put updated. some we'll put some pictures up or joseph will put some pictures up in the show put them notes in the show notes so that you guys can check it out and really like we're not joking when you look up coolest coffee shops in the world this is usually in the articles that talk about that it's pretty neat yeah i didn't take any pictures while i was there but we can uh, just find some online really cool you should go so this last week has been so crazy we've had Some really awesome visitors come from the States. My pastor, Pastor Matt Bell, and his wife, Heather. My cousin. And also Philip and Tammy Thompson from Wisconsin, also pastors. And they're kind of connected with us and what we're doing in Japan. Yeah, so you had a cousin come, Matt Uh Bell, and my wife is related to Philip Thompson. So almost everyone had a cousin but me. Well, we're cousins. Well, we're not cousins. But we'll talk about that uh, sometime. On another day. This, uh, So this visit we've been looking forward to for a long time, like a year. So we've been doing a lot of planning, booking hotels, just kind of scheduling out what we're going to do. 
so it's been really really fun but it's been really busy also and so we took them all around different things to see in osaka what did we do we went to uh oh the first thing we did is we went to ibc japan so we me and joseph graduated from ibc in san antonio but a lot of people don't know that there was there's still existing today in ibc in japan and it was actually started before world war ii and it was started by joseph's great grandfather it started by matt's great grandfather but it was also Joseph's great-grandfather. And his name was Leonard Coote. So growing up in San Antonio, our church was started by Leonard Coote, who was a missionary to Japan, did all these works in Japan. We always heard about this guy, Leonard Coote. And so IBC in Japan was actually started before the one in San Antonio was. And it was really cool to go there and to visit it with Matt and kind of see it through his eyes. I actually have this audio recording of my great-grandpa Leonard Rancoot saying, there's only one Leonard Rancoot in the whole wide world. Anyway, it's just one of my favorite things. And so sometimes we'll, you know, we'll just say that back and forth to each other. That's kind of funny. It was just in a, like a message that he was preaching about how God made, you know, individuals and things like that. But do you know the year that Leonard Coot came to Japan? Yeah, I think it was 1913. How did you know that? Cause, cause I was just, the reason I'm telling, I'm asking you is because I didn't know for sure. And, and Matt asked me the other day, do you know what year he came to Japan? He must not so, have trusted me because he asked me too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt, Matt just got. It's probably because I responded by saying 2013 on accident instead of 1913. <laughs> he was like, oh. We need to check our messages and see who he asked first. Right. Yes, <laughs> we do. It might be on my phone, which is broken. So I have no idea. But yeah, so yeah, no, I know it was 1913 because I came back to Japan for the first time in 2013. And, um, well, no, it wasn't my first time to come back to Japan, but I came back to Japan in 2013 and my whole family came back and I missed my flight and I got here two days later than I was supposed to. But in the end, it turned out that the day I got here, was exactly 100 years after my great-grandfather got here in Japan. Wow, that's crazy. So that was kind of cool, and so that's why I've always remembered it. And so Leonard Coote, who, he's not my family, but I feel like I'm connected to him because I'm here really as a result of some of the works that he's done, you know, the Bible college, the church I grew up in. But he came here as to Japan as an atheist. He wasn't coming as a missionary. He was coming to do business, and... Um, he knew that he didn't want to get in trouble when he was living overseas by himself. So he decided to stay with a Baptist missionary. That's right. And this is kind of your family legacy. So what what do you, what? how does the story go from there? Yeah, the story goes that he was staying with this Baptist missionary and the missionary was talking to him about the Bible. And he said, oh, that book is full of mistakes and it's just wrong and it's full of uh, contradictions in the book. And the Baptist missionary just quietly said, okay, that's fine if that's what you think. And so he gave him a Bible and he gave him a red pen and he said, why don't you just mark all the mistakes that you find in this book and then bring it back to me and we'll talk about it. And so, of course, you know, he was kind of a stubborn Englishman from Manchester 
And so he went through and he was marking the Bible up and he got to the verse in Jeremiah that says the heart is the heart of man is wicked and deceitful above all else who can know it. And then that's what kind of broke him down and he repented and became a believer from reading the Bible. Right. And part of his testimony was that he was filled with the spirit and he was staying with a Baptist missionary. So that wasn't something he was looking for right. or trying to get, but it just sort of happened to him Yeah, that that happened. So he had this radical conversion, you know, decides to not focus on business and become a missionary to the Japanese people. And through the years, started many churches and started IBC in Japan, IBC in America. They even did a little bit of work in Korea. And they yeah, also they started, started a Bible college in Korea. It's still going as far as I know. Yeah, that's amazing to think about. And they also started my home church, Destiny Church in Japan, who Pastor Matt, his great-grandson, is now the pastor of the fourth generation. Yeah, and it's really cool. And, of course, you know, countless churches have been started through IBC and the students there, so it's all over the world now. Right. And a lot of the churches that he started are, I know we're kind of, we're talking about IBC in Japan, but a lot of the works that he started are still going today. Like, there's this... uh, outreach in downtown Osaka. It's kind of the red light district where there's some real ruffians, you know, and Mm -hmm. every single night since Osaka Tabernacle was started, since Leonard Coote came, they've been having church services and outreaches to the people of that area. It's been going on every night for more than 60 years. So what Leonard Coote started is still going strong today. That's incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. So cool. Wonderful work of God. So anyways, the guy who's over IBC now, his name is Sakai Sensei, but he was actually a direct uh, disciple of Leonard Coote. So it's kind of interesting to meet someone who knew Leonard Coote and was really influenced by him. Um, but it was really cool to see the IBC campus, and it's there's still students there that came out and they greeted us as we went on campus. Anyways, it was just fun. We had a really good time. What we, else? What else did we do with the crew? Cool to be up there. Where did we go after that? I think we went to the Nada Deer Park after that, right? Well, first we had some really good lunch, shabu shabu, but that was really good. And you got the whole experience of sitting on the floor and right. eating your food right. Japanese style. And we had a twenty percent off coupon, which is great. I love a good deal. And then we went over and saw um, in the Nada Deer Park, one of the, it's the biggest wooden structure in the world, actually. Matt looked it up and told me that. And then it's got like maybe the second largest Buddha It's the in second the world. largest Buddha in the world. The first largest is in China, but it's the largest Buddha in Japan. Oh, really? Yeah, it is. Oh, so you looked that up because I yeah, was thinking there's another, another one, one that you were telling Matt about. Yeah. And he looked it up and it's quite a bit smaller than this one. Okay. That's probably why he asked you what date Leonard Coop moved to Japan <laughs> instead of asking me or after he asked me the first time. I love when somebody asks. I better fact check what Joseph says. Have you seen that website? Let me Google that for you. Like whenever yeah. somebody asks you something obvious, like is this the largest boot in the world? We'll be like, Hmm, let me Google that for you. Cause it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny to ask someone questions now because a lot of stuff you can just look up online. Right. Yeah. Which Matt did because we didn't know the answers. And so Matt was using Siri on his phone (laughs) to look up the answers because we weren't sure with having guests in the last two weeks. Uh, I've been asked so many questions that I just had no idea the answer to. And I was running out of ways to respond like and say, I don't know that. I know. Just it's really so awkward. Things. It's like, well, um, yeah, I'm not sure about that, but I think so. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We've heard that that's true. <laughs> yes. 
in the circles that I run around in, people believe that to be the case. I was just having to get creative with my answers. Because I just have no idea. I just live here. It's kind of like living in Montana, but I don't know. Yeah. The so, height of the Rocky Mountains. Like going to that Buddha and seeing that with him. It was my first time to go there too. And it's really sad to see all the school kids just there um, bowing down to Buddha. Some mm-hmm. of them are giving offerings. And it's just really sad to see that. And it seems like they're kind of being indoctrinated from a young age. Yeah, to that. of course. This is important. This is something that a Japanese person does. We go and pay our respects to the big Buddha. And it's just something we do as Japanese. It's kind of cool, though. Several kids, you know, from one of their schools were on a school trip. And because there are so many tourists in that area and English speakers, they had to go around and interview some English speakers, ask where they were from ask what they thought was surprising about Japan. And the, also the last question on there was, what do we need to do? Uh, what is the most to important have thing world to world, have world peace? Did you talk to one of them? They talk, I was there with Matt when they were interviewing. Oh, cool. So I have a really good video of them asking Matt some of these questions. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because yeah, I was just walking Actually, around by myself. I, I don't think Matt will mind. I'll just put a link up and you guys can see the YouTube video. Yeah, you that. should. I was walking around by myself, too, and kind of like poked my head into what they were doing and started talking to them a little bit uh, in English and Japanese. And and so they wanted to ask me those questions, too. It was a great opportunity to talk about Jesus and believing in him is the way to peace because, you know, he gave us peace with God through what he did. And that's the only way we can have peace with each other. I know when Matt kind of gave him the answer, well, you know, I believe you can have peace in Jesus. And Mm -hmm. I don't know about the guy you talked to, but the person that we talked to, that was his first time to ever hear the name of Jesus before. Really? He had never heard of that before. Wow. That's incredible. And yeah. That's that's pretty common in Japan. You yeah. Know, it's not that they don't have access to it or they can't find it if they looked it up online. But unless somebody comes to you like in a situation like that and makes it real to you, then, of course, why would you ever look into that thing if you're not interested? So my friend came to visit us, uh, James Easling and his son. Jeremiah and one of the first things that he asked me in the first couple of days that he was here was a cool question that I've not been asked very much but he said you know you live in Japan and I was telling him what we do and everything he said do you pray for laborers which is a really cool and biblical thing to do Jesus said you know pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send more laborers into the harvest and so that's something that uh, was a good reminder which we do pray for laborers but to do that more so man if anyone out there wants to come to japan there is a wide open door here and we want to talk more about that in just a second so let's hold that thought because that's really important we want if there's anyone out there who has a heart for japan um, hopefully this will stir you up a little bit because what we want to talk about in just a second is the need that japan has and kind of life in japan and that sort of thing um yeah, it was really sad to see that big Buddha and to kind of see what, as missionaries, that we're up against, where these people are just willing to go and to bow down and serve and, and really just beg an idol who can't see them, can't hear them, doesn't care about them. Uh, it's just a cold, dead idol. Uh, right. After that, we what did we do the second day that we were with him? I think we went down to, oh, well, the first thing we did is we showed them the new good news center 
And so, oh, yeah. So that was really cool that so Joseph and I press. have been working on a new outreach center and a place where we can start a church and do outreach from. And so we showed that to them. We just got a new sign up and we've got this really <laughs> cool time lapse of them putting the sign up. The time I'll go ahead and put that in the notes, too. So go down. If you don't know what show notes are, if you're on Apple podcast or if you're streaming from tellingasia.com slash podcast, you can look at the show notes and have links of what we're talking about throughout the show. You should also, and, if you still have the video of you and Matt talking and introducing the place, it's a really good video, but it's also a really funny video because I don't know why I was standing in there in the video. I was just invited to stand there, but I was feeling quite camera shy that day. So I think I said in the video, bye. <laughs> we're just like standing there like a lump on a log and uh like you introduced it really great and i loved it and i didn't want to say anything but that's fun at the end matt was like do you want to add anything <laughs> i was like bye <laughs> so like, i don't know what to do what do i do <laughs> yeah i don't know i guess it was just camera shy that's funny yeah that happens to some of us thank you for that bobby <laughs> <laughs> we've all we've all been there we've all been there um yeah, it was nice to be able to show that to them and what we've been working on for the last couple months. But what I was saying on the video, the time lapse, it's really funny. This guy who put up our sign, like he was putting up this huge sign by himself. And so he had two ladders and in the middle, he put a wooden board, not secured, just like this bendy board. Well, yeah, I was surprised how flexible the board was. Like, cause I'd do that too, if it was like a big sturdy board. Yeah. But this one had been used oh, it for wasn't years. wasn't strong at all. It was just like a like trampoline when he walked down into the middle of it it's it sagged down like 10 inches yeah. at least it was crazy but you could tell this guy was a pro he wasn't worried yeah. about it pro pro art that's the name yeah. of the company that put it up he's definitely a pro yeah uh so if you watch the time lapse you can kind of see him like walking back on that board and it's really crazy yeah uh so a couple more things we did with him we went uh to osaka castle that was incredible. That was your first time there, right? Yeah, it was my first time, and the kids were with us, too, and they got to see it. I got a really good picture of your kids and my kids right in front of the castle, and I was really impressed with the size of the rocks, rocks as big as a Dodge truck. Yeah, they were just massive, huge, and my kids loved it. They had a really good time there. Yeah, it was fun, and I like how it's on a hill, and you got to climb this hill and cross these moats to get to it. It was, I was trying to, me and Augustus were trying to figure out how you could possibly take that castle in the old days, and we couldn't figure out a way. Yeah, you can just imagine, like, the ninjas trying to climb over the wall and get up there. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Oh, and then we went to, what's that place called? Dotonbori, right? Right, which is just a fancy way of saying downtown Osaka. Right, and we saw the running man, which is, like, the quintessential Instagram post. If you go to Japan, it's been there forever. The Glyco man running, you yeah, know, you take a picture in front of that. It's infamous for sure. It's, infamous. It's not famous. It's infamous. Why is that? Because uh, people take a picture with it basically to make fun of it. Oh, <laughs> but in the process of making fun of it, it's become cool and like a staple of Osaka somehow. It's cool. I like the poster. I think it's pretty neat. Yeah, so I think Matt did a pose with it. Like, he lifted his hands up and did the whole typical tourist pose. So it looks like uh, he was a fan. I uh, think they had a good time here. Do you think so? 
Yeah, and they're still here, and they'll be here for several more days, so we're looking forward. I think Heather flew back to Japan. And did you know that Philip and Tammy flew back to Japan? <laughs> Sorry. Back to America, of course. And did you know Philip and Tammy, they also flew back to oh, America Oh, early. they went back already. Okay. They were supposed to fly out on Friday, but they flew out on Tuesday, or oh, really? I think, because there's a typhoon coming in. Oh. And there was a wedding they were supposed to do on Saturday, and they wanted to make sure they weren't going to miss that flight. Yeah. Yeah. One time we were supposed to get on an airplane and a typhoon came that day and it blew a ship barge into the bridge and the bridge, the, the airport, <laughs> airport shut down completely. I Couldn't just, leave that day. I love that. I love that that happened because every time we pick up someone from the airport, we have this great story to tell them about <laughs> yeah, this you know. typhoon that we survived and it crashed the bridge and we were stranded in Japan because we couldn't get to the airport. Back in 14. Yeah, I know. It's great. Back in 1913. Isn't it? Have you ever thought about how in the future we're going to be able to say, yeah, back in 13 and to our kids, that will just sound so cool. It does sound much better than like... Hey, do you remember in 56? Like, yeah. Because we're at the beginning of the century. So to say, yeah, I remember in 19... Back in 01. Uh, back in 01. Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, right now, one more thing that's going on in Japan, besides all the visitors that we're just having a great time with, we're so glad they're here, is the Rugby World Cup is yes. taking place in Japan this year. And did you see that Japan beat Ireland, which was impossible? No. It was when like was that? David versus Goliath. That was on Saturday. They are doing so good. Have they lost a so game the yet? people in Japan are so excited. Yeah, I don't think I they've don't, lost a game. I don't think they've lost a game yet. Yeah, I know. This is really great. I'm really enjoying it. Me, I've been teaching uh, the lads about rugby and all the rules, and I just love it. We were talking about football a couple weeks ago, and now I just look, I mean, you know, get stoned if I said this in America, but you're like, well, you're rugby saying it in America. seems so superior to football because football is so start and stop. And so it can be really boring to watch sometimes because every time the ball hits the ground, the whole game just stops, the whistle blows, and you reform and everything. Rugby, it just keeps going. Yeah, I do like that aspect. I asked, we had some Italian rugby players who came to our church. It's so cool. Which is pretty neat because they're Italians, so they're Christians. They were looking for a place to go to church, and they ministered, and they sang some songs and shared some testimonies. It was really good, but I asked that's one thing I asked the rugby player is, is do you think rugby is more, uh, what, what's the word, that like intense than American football? Like, do you think you have to be stronger to play rugby? And he said that he would be scared to play American football really because of the speed that they run at and get hit at. Okay. But then I was like, but they wearing, they're wearing all those pads and you guys don't wear any pads at all. So don't you think like that means you have to be pretty tough to do that. And one of the guys was like, yeah, I think rugby is tougher, but some of them were saying that they think American football still high level intensity because of the speeds that they go at and get hit at they really go faster to me it seems like in rugby you have to have so much more um endurance i guess more like soccer because they're just running like the whole time and there's a five minute break two 40 minute halves and a five minute break in between it's pretty intense that's cool the other cool thing about rugby is that the numbers actually mean something so number one on the team or number 15 on the team it's the same position. So each number is a different position. So if your favorite position is whatever position number seven plays, 
then you can always just watch number seven in the game rather okay. than American sports where it's just like you pick a number based on, you know, your icon or the person that you liked who wore that number. When I was watching a video clip of it, it seemed like it was just chaos. Like they were all just crashing into each other. So it's hard to like imagine that you're, that you have a certain position that you need to fulfill. Yeah, there is, but it's like each player has a different small variation in their position. So hmm. I would like to not play, but I would like to form a rugby team or a league for my kids. You're going to start that maybe in Japan or Montana in the future. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You might get laughed at by some Montanans. Actually, there's a Steve Bartmas guy who owns a store in town in Helena, and he's a good friend of Did our family. Did you families. say the guy who owns the store in town? The store, yes, that's right. Uh, he, they, there was a rugby league for adults in Montana. I just want to get one started for kids in rugby. That'd be fun. Yeah, let's there's, do it. There's a code in rugby, and one of the codes is win but not at all costs. The code, what is this, the Girl Scouts? No, no, it's like the code. It's like the code of the... Bre- the bre- code. Bre- brethren? Yes. Brethren? <laughs> okay. The code of the brethren. This sounds like a cult. It's just cooler, I'm just saying. It's just cooler. Yeah, so that'll be going on for the next couple of weeks in Japan where all these people from around the world are coming to Japan to play in the tournament. So It would we- be huge if Japan won. Yeah. That would be the coolest thing. I don't think they'll win. Okay. <laughs> but, but they could. But they've been... I don't think they they've could. lost a game yet. I think they've four games in and they haven't lost. Yeah. I don't think. Right. So they're definitely going to win. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, at least second to Scotland. Yeah. Scotland already lost, so... Yeah, but they're not out yet, are they? They just can't quite seem to break that obstacle of England you know they can never quite overcome that <laughs> I, I don't know why I don't even know how to respond to that uh, so for a few minutes today we want to talk uh, for our kind of focus discussion we always want to kind of bring a focus to it and for this week we want to talk about Japan a little bit about missions in Japan the need in Japan what's going on here and maybe what you can do to help so as we were going through Osaka and kind of showing our friends around Japan, it was really helpful because as Joseph was saying, we were kind of able to see Japan through new eyes and kind of get a fresh look at the way Japan looks for someone who's just coming off the plane or the boat and kind of seeing what it's looking like. And Japan, of course, is a country where there's a lot of need. There's very, very few Christians here. Japan is a country where less than half of 1% are Christian Right, And that's kind of hard for us to even wrap our head around. And if you really want to break that down even further, people think it's really about 0.3% that are Christian because uh, in that percentage is included Catholics, Mormons, Jehovah Witness, groups that we would consider to not, to not even be Christian. But because there's so few of them, they kind of lump them all together. Right. And there's very few churches in Japan. I mean... You'll have a town of 100,000, and maybe there'll be one or two small churches. And the churches that are there, the average size of a church is about 25 people. And that would be a good-sized church. And if you had a church of 30 or 40, that would be a huge church in Japan. Yeah, I think that's the norm for most places in Japan. And would you say that the people in the church are pretty old? 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And most most of the people and most of the pastors too are um I think the average age of her pastor in Japan is like 70 years old. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah, I saw a stat the other day that there's more pastors in Japan over 80 than there are under 30. Yeah. But we know several pastors as well who are in the younger age bracket like Caleb and others. So it's really cool that we know um the people who are rising up and helping in this next generation and it's a great thing to be able to work with them and know them. So what would people be like surprised to hear about Japan? Do you think, do do you have anything that you would like to share about Japan? There's so many different things. Everything's when we got here, the very first night that we got here, Augustus was two years old. He woke up in the middle of the night and he just screamed upside down. And that's exactly what it is coming from America to Japan. Everything is as opposite as you can get. I think from light switches going sideways instead of up and down to light switches being on the outside of the door instead of on the inside of the door or i mean what yeah. i mean you name it it's opposite right. from america there's this really funny thing in japan where every day at five o'clock whatever neighborhood you're in or even sometimes if you're out in the middle of nowhere they have this five o'clock song and this is a song that they play every day on the nose and every single day the first couple days is this the song yeah this is it so imagine yourself in japan it's much quieter than america in parking lots people don't talk and at five o'clock it's your first day here this song comes out on the loudspeakers of the city there are speakers everywhere in your town even in our place up in the countryside and this song comes up and you just feel like you're in the old it's concentration camp style right like i don't think it's a good serene feeling i think it reminds me kind of creepy to me it reminds me of lost where you're like yes in the middle of nowhere and somehow you've got like these speakers or people listening or talking to you to make it worse when we lived in a different town hybotic they would have a 12 o'clock song also but it was edelweiss and so noon, high noon, and everyone's dead quiet, and this Which, song comes on. And you just feel like you're in, in Nazi Germany, you know, 75 years ago. Which is not a good feeling because, I mean, obviously Japan and Germany were working together. Right. So you feel like there's yeah, these, like, secret Nazis secret looking over your shoulder watching you. It's weird, too, because a lot of... that. So the, through those same speakers, the speakers are actually a system for warning people if there's a tsunami or something dangerous coming or, you know, bombs coming from China or who knows what. And um, But for some reason, it's really hard for me to understand the Japanese when it's coming through a speaker like that. So we'll get these emergency alerts going through those speakers and never have any idea what they're, what they're saying. Like, bombs are going to drop any minute. There's an earthquake coming. There's a sale on ice cream tomorrow at Okawa. Never have any clue what they say. That's funny. Yeah. Did you did you know that Edelweiss is not like the song of of Switzerland or whatever? What? what no, sorry, not Switzerland. Austria. Oh, sorry, Austria. Did you know that's not, like not the song from Austria? What like, are you talking about? That song was written for sound of music no no don't say that yes don't say that if you say that if that's true i quit life everything all right well it's time to quit okay you can turn off the podcast i'm done speaking of quitting life 
it's actually quite serious that a big problem in Japan uh, is suicide. And they actually say it's the leading cause of death for young men aged 20 to uh, 44. Yeah. I think Japan has the highest rate of suicide in the world. And one of the reasons for that is the, especially the men, they work like crazy. So for instance, we have a neighbor next door and we've to this day never met the father because he's always working and he'll get up a lot of times, leave the house before everyone's up. And sometimes he won't get home until nine, 10 or even 12 o'clock at night. Right. Yeah. When we lived in town also, it was a very similar situation every single day and six days a week too. Wow. So Japan actually has a word for suicide by overwork. It's the only country in the world who has a word for that. And they've had a big issue of that because it's hard for people to quit a job or, you know, dial back in their job and work less because they want to show forth a lot of effort. No one wants to be the first one to quit at the end of the day. So, so oftentimes the only means of escape that people can see is to commit suicide. Right. Yeah. So there's a huge, huge need in Japan for the gospel and for people to come and share the good news of Jesus. There's a lot of fear of idols and ancestors. There's a lot of, of course, materialism like there would be in any modern country. But um, there's just a lot of hopelessness in Japan, and especially in our area. I think we're in the heart of traditional Japan here in Nara, and I think it's the darkest area to be in Japan. We were in uh, Nagano the other day with our friend, which is a little bit northern Japan, and the whole feel there was different. They don't have the gospel there, but there's not as much of a, it doesn't seem like there's as much of a stronghold in that area. The people were brighter, friendlier, there wasn't as much darkness, it seems, as there is here in Nada. But this is the heart, you know? So sometimes when you take a train, they'll have a train delay because they have to clean something up, and it's because somebody threw themselves in front of the train. And a lot of times that will happen after a holiday, and people just can't face the idea of going back to work. Right. Did and you know, though, that the uh, family has to pay for that? Really? Yeah, it's usually in the hundreds of thousands of dollars because it backs up all these trains and makes a big problem. And the whoever commits suicide, their family has to pay for it. Yeah, it's it's really sad that people are living without hope. And that's really what people need is they need the hope of Jesus, a hope that there's something beyond this life, something to look forward to. Right. Because just getting through another day is pointless, but they need something bigger than just their daily lives. They need Jesus. And that's really the only thing that can give them hope at all. Right. And so of course, that's why you're here. That's why we're here. And that's why we're so glad that we've had so many guests in this past week, because the more people know about it, the more they'll pray for it and pray for laborers to come to Japan. And the more they can talk to other people and always praying that more people will get a heart for Japan, uh, getting involved in some way and getting the gospel out here and sending people here. So do you know how many missionaries there are in Japan? No, not a clue. So there's no exact number, but right now the ratio of missionaries to people is one missionary for every 60,000 people. Wow. And that number is always getting smaller because right now the missionary force is going down. It's not going up. You know, as the most unreached nation in the world, that number should be going up. But uh, because there were a lot of missionaries who came after World War II, and there was a big boom in missionaries since that time. 
a lot of the older missionaries are retiring or they're going on to heaven. And so there's not a big group of people to replace the people that are going on. So um, there's just a huge need for missionaries to come here. And like we were talking about, there's some cities that only have one church, and there's a lot of cities that don't have any church at all. And there's just a huge need for the gospel and for churches. Right. Another thing about Japan is, of course, everything is just really small. So you kind of feel like a giant here Everything's bigger in Texas. Everything's smaller in Japan. And people here are really quiet, too. And Americans are loud. Yeah. Yeah. The the eeriest thing to us, or the oddest thing to us, has always been being in a parking lot or downtown shopping. It's so much quieter than it would be in America. Yeah. And there's, of course, lots of rough, lots of fish, lots of seafood. It's an island. So if you like seafood, maybe that's a good place to come. If you don't like seafood... I'm sure there's other things you can find too. But I think Japan, personally, Japan is one of the best countries to live in. It's a beautiful country, modern country. But just because a country is modern doesn't mean that they don't need Jesus. Right. So, of course, the jungle people need Jesus. The people on the outskirts of the earth need Jesus. But there's people right now that if you are willing to take the time to work yourself into their daily life, there are people who will begin to open themselves up to you and you can have a way to uh, speak into their lives and give them hope where they didn't have any hope. Right. And it's important to remember that just because someone looks good on the outside doesn't mean that they aren't desperate for the gospel because many people maybe think that Japan is into real need for uh, missionaries to go to because from the outside, Japan looks great. It's a safe nation to live in. And there's not a high level of crime. People return purses on subways to the police station and uh, X number of things that, you know, there's not a poverty problem here. There's plenty of food, but those are just outside things. And God looks at the heart and people here are really desperate um, for some good news. Right. So, and that's one of the reasons we opened the good news center to try to get the good news out to as many people as we can. But Japan is a really frustrating country to work in. It can be, yeah. A really frustrating country. So, for instance, we were here with our visitors, and, um, of course, they have a heart for Japan, and they're trying to figure out how can we help? How can we reach the people here? And it's frustrating because especially as a man, we like to solve problems. We like to lay it all out on a graph and we want to figure out exactly how to fix this issue. Right. And we want to see results and we want to see results. And that's really, it's a really frustrating country to live in. If you're results driven, cause every day, like some, there's some days where I wake up and I'm just like, (laughs) Joseph, what can we, what can we do here? Like sometimes it feels like we're not making a difference. What, like, how can we be effective in what we're doing here? Right. Yeah. And it's, let's see i think when my dad when we moved to japan he said when you get there you're going to want to see results because everyone does but you just need to be faithful because if you want to see results um it's good to want results it's good to have faith for results and believe that god's going to do great things and yes we continue in that and continue in faith but don't let the results be what motivates you to be here continuing in faithfulness being faithful with the gospel giving the unadulterated gospel to people freely um, in conversations or through tracks or however you meet them through videos on Facebook, Instagram, doing a coffee shop, going door to door, doing gifts of hope, 
um, to people's doors at Christmas time. Everything is there's just needs to be a continuance in getting the gospel out there. And and if you're if you're only going to do it if you're going to see the results, well, no, that's not the right way to do it. You just need to continue to go forward. And man, I hope and I pray that you'll see results and that everyone who ministers the gospel will see results. And you can always adjust things and and adjust your efforts to try to get better results. And like one thing, faithfulness your, is key. One thing your dad was saying, he was, you know, he's kind of the patriarch in Japan. Um, and so we were, you know, he was recommending to Joseph and to us that the best thing that you can do is just don't be afraid to try something different. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that anybody has found the key yet to reaching the Japanese people, unfortunately. And I don't know if there is a, a formula where you can just fit the key in just right and that will work or if it has to be the work of the spirit. But um, so what we're trying to do and you can pray for us is just trying new avenues to reach out people to reach to people and to, uh, you know, Joseph's working on a comic that he's going to be help. We're going to be helping to get out to people that they can read about the gospel in a really right. good and interactive way. So any way that you can reach someone with the good news and give them hope and show them that there's something beyond the here and the now. Um, that's what we're trying to do because these people are lost. They're dying. They're going to hell without having really a good chance of hearing about the gospel before. Right. And there are people like that no matter where you go. Of course, we're in Japan, so we're focused on being here in Japan. But no matter where you are in the world, people are really going through something. I mean, countless times I look at people that I know through Facebook or whatever and from the outside, their life looks great. And then next thing you know, their marriage is falling apart. So there are always underlying issues that we don't know about. In this society, you know, Instagram society, Facebook society, where everything on the outside looks great, like Japan, you know, everything on the outside looks great, but there is an underworld of things going on. And so don't wait to give the gospel to somebody until you think that they're ready to hear it because they're ready at all the time. Right. Yeah, so that's just an encouragement for you today that don't be afraid to give out the good news, the gospel, pure and simple, to as many people as you can. And pray for Japan. They say it's the graveyard of missionaries. And there's so many people that are just waiting to hear the good news about Jesus. So pray for Japan. We're so happy that you joined us here. Hopefully you had a good cup of coffee while you were listening to this. Have you heard this song before? No, I haven't. This is Japan's song. Hey, this is my song. This is for you. They call me Roboto in Japan. Have a great week. <laughs>